Hi, I'm Jenna. And I'm Mark. And you're listening to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. Hey everyone, we are back with a guest that I think you'll find very interesting. She worked at the zoo, had some other cool jobs that we're going to talk about, um, but isn't actually a zoo employee. So it's been a while since we've had someone who isn't a zoo employee. So Jackie Bray is here with us. Yes, thank you all for joining us again. These episodes are always really exciting for us to talk about someone who does conservation work kind of outside the zoo. Obviously, we love all the work that we do here at Cincinnati Zoo, but obviously me and Jenna are a little bit more in the know about that stuff. So it's always interesting to hear from some outsiders. But Jackie is the uh, associate director at Raptor Incorporated in Claremont County, not too far from the Cincinnati Zoo itself. Thank you so much for taking the time to come down here and join us. We really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. It, so it's a local nonprofit that helps with a lot of native birds. Yes. Um, so we want to talk all about that. And I guess go ahead, tell us the just kind of maybe like the gist of what Raptor Incorporated does, but then we'll kind of get into you and like how you got got there. Sure. Um, Raptor Incorporated, we are a we're Raptor Center. We're a bird of prey rehabilitation and education center. Our focus, our mission is centered around the rehabilitation of ill and injured birds of prey. Local species are what we specialize in. We don't have any exotics. Um, we do educational programming to, you know, the main mission for that is to uh, inspire the public to care about wildlife mm -hmm. and to take action to actually protect them um, and also to educate. Um, so a lot of things that happen with wildlife are just simply, it, people are not being malicious, it's just they don't know any better. Right. So when we know better, we do better. Yes, I love that. So, and we do quite a bit of field research as well to try to help forward the profession in general. Oh, okay. So I we participate know that. in a lot of re, um, research projects, and also we participate in community service projects. Like um, we do adopt a highway, and we pick up litter, and anything we can do to try to um, to move forward the protection of birds of prey. We specialize just in local birds of prey. Very cool. So I'm sure some people have been to the zoo and seen a few of like our red-tailed hawks or some of our injured owls that, you know, were rehabilitated but couldn't be released into the wild. Mm -hmm. So those are probably the type of animals you're using for your education programs too, correct? Absolutely. And some of the zoo's animals actually came from us. Ah, it's so, such oh. a small world. It is, isn't it? <laughs> do you remember off the top of your head oh, any that are here? I should, I thought about like, should I put her on the spot? <laughs> uh, I know that you received a, a barred uh, owl and a red-tailed hawk from us, but I can't remember what their names okay, are. Okay, no worries. We, we will hold that against you. <laughs> I'm sure you work with say, hundreds sure or thousands of birds. Of birds. Yeah. And there's a lot of names. Mark and I, you know, we always forget our animals' birthdays and things like yeah, that. Horrible it's, just too, it's just too much. You can't hold it all in. Um, but so, yeah, I can't wait to hear more about everything that Raptor Incorporated does. Some people might know you guys as Raptor Inc. too. Yes. Um, but tell us we just, it's so funny because it is a small world and I've actually known you for yes. like 12 years now. Obviously we don't see each other often or anything in these days, but we did used to work together at the yes. zoo. So, and then you actually, let's start before that. What did you do before you came to the zoo? Okay. So I, I've had a, a very um, varied past <laughs> careers. I've been very lucky. Um, my first career was as a paramedic. I worked um, for 15 years as a paramedic wow. and as a, an instructor. Um, in emergency medicine, so I loved that job. It was awesome. High stress, yes, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, but you're very you're exciting. good with that. <laughs> exciting, yeah. yeah. Um, I went from that job to being a 911 dispatcher, 
Um, so I did that for 16 years, and I, I was have, an instructor wow. in that I as well. I have so many questions. I want to just talk to you about what it's like to be a 911 operator. Incredibly stressful. Jenna, uh, who's a true crime aficionado. I am. Jenna is probably on <laughs> right now. So intrigued. A but. lot of our, of our coworkers think I'm a weirdo. They're like, why, why do you like that stuff? It's exciting. Do you yeah. like true crime? I do. Okay. See, there's there's something about it. It's interesting. That's, I, well, that's I wait mean, for the sequel podcast. It's just Jackie and Jenna talking about we true crime. To do oh, a Halloween episode. Maybe we'll tie that in. <laughs> the cool thing is, is I've always been lucky to have jobs where it, I felt like I, it mattered. Yeah, I was making a difference. You Definitely. know, where you know, it yeah, was those, really important work. That makes total sense. Like those all go together in that in that sense. Like you're caring for something animals right. humans and it's high stress and you must deal really well with stress i would uh, yeah, assume. i think so <laughs> you would have to in those jobs yes yeah. i would stay calm in the moment dispatchers deal better with stress than most people i don't know how yeah. i would handle someone calling me in that kind of situation so it's it's tough yeah and i and you know i had um some extra duties at the uh, communication center where i did since i was a paramedic i did training uh, with the 911 dispatchers on how they give medical instructions over oh, the phone. Oh, yeah. So okay. when you, you know, childbirth, CPR, choking, um, you know, those types of things where the dispatcher is actually talking the lay people through what they need to do to save the life of this person that they're in front of before the squad can get there. And, I, I mean, we have excellent response times in, you know, this area in Hamilton County, but still, I mean, two to three minutes can make all the difference. Oh my gosh. For yeah. a non-breather. See, yeah. I have goosebumps right now thinking about this. Like, oh my gosh, if I were in that situation, I had to tell somebody how to save their choking baby. Like, holy cow. It would be so stressful. But also I find it so interesting. Was, was it the high stress that made you kind of leave? Or how did you, you know, what, how, how did that work out? Well, I, I, I ended up retiring. <laughs> so after I put my time in, I felt I did my due. Uh, yeah. and I, I retired. And 16 years, I'd say that's a lot of time. Yeah, <laughs> and it was on top of my paramedic time. Yeah, so, um, But the interesting thing of how I ended up at the zoo after that is I actually, when I retired, I literally was lost. I mm. had no purpose in my life, you know? And so it was a very stressful time in my life. And one of the things I started to do is to come to the zoo for exercise. Oh, yeah. I would come to the zoo and just walk. And I would always start and end in Lorikeet Landing. And <laughs> I ended up, I mean, it's, it's just really weird how things work out. Yeah. That's all I'm saying is you never know where you're going to end up, you know. So I'm hanging out in Lorikeet Landing. There's a bird in there that was a rose-breasted cockatoo, okay. Evidently, this bird was quite mean, uh, you know, to all the keepers and everything. For some reason, I don't know if I looked like its old owner or whatever, because it had come in. Um, from, it was a donation bird. Oh, okay. So I don't know if I resembled its old owner or whatever, but this bird took to me and it would land on my shoulder every day. I came every day and oh I was starting gosh. in that cage and it would sit on my shoulder and blow me kisses and Aww. rub on my cheek. Um, How cool as so a guest. That's that was amazing. my like, wow moment. Yeah. Like where you're just hooked. It's like, yeah. I, you know, you have a connection and it's going to lead to other things. You know what I mean? The funny thing about it is, is um, Matt Miller, who's <laughs> still yeah, a keeper, keeper here. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. him. Um, he was a, a bird keeper, uh, aviculture department at that time. And he, you know, he would look at me suspiciously. Because I was in there every day <laughs> playing with this bird. It's like, are you going to steal this bird? Like, who is this on? lady? <laughs> exactly. This is one of those crazy visitors that we're going to have to keep a really close eye on. You know? And he came up to me one day and we were talking and he suggested that I start volunteering at the zoo. And it was like, that sounds really fun and cool. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing that and found a whole new purpose to my life. And that, um, that led to huge 
things later on. Yeah, no kidding. So first of all, I feel like you must, I don't want to give away your age or anything, but <laughs> you must have retired really young compared to most that. Yeah, yeah, I was young. Okay, yeah. which is amazing. Good for you. Yeah. Way to go. Uh, <laughs> props. Um, and then did you have any interest in birds? Like, were you a birder? Did you no. go out? It's just this one bird. And yes. that's so it's, so special. Yeah, it's it kind started of a, the story. Yeah. It really did. And um, from that moment, I started volunteering at the zoo with the birdhouse, with aviculture. Um, from there, I started working in education. Um, and then um, I um, I have to mention Project Dragonfly. Yeah. I, you know, I, I actually, when I was a 911 dispatcher, I actually had, uh, went back and got a college degree in education. So, oh, okay. So I have a degree in middle grades education with minors in English and mathematics. Um, I was... I was interested in um, informal education okay. versus mm -hmm. working as a school teacher gotcha. in the school. So that was another perfect fit for the zoo, yeah. Definitely. is informal education with the education department. So I started doing a lot of that. Um, from there, I found out about Project Dragonfly through Miami University and through Jenna's husband, who I worked <laughs> with. Small that. world again. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so I, it was the best master's program you could ever get involved in. Plus, it was really cheap, and uh, I could take classes on on zoo grounds, mm -hmm. which, I mean, you can't beat that. It's a nice bonus, yeah. Heck yeah. And so part of my degree requirements were you have to build this portfolio of all these different actions, and part of that also is doing an internship. So I did an internship with Bird Show. Um, so I was very, very lucky uh, that they allowed me to because they'd never had an intern before. And so they let me do that. I worked here um, all that whole summer. And then at the end of the summer, I got hired oh, um, awesome. as a, a part-timer. Which the is show. wild because, I mean, I think you have to give a huge thanks to Matt Miller because oh, heck yeah. it's very hard to get into volunteering here to begin with, with animal care. Usually, you know, you like start an education and we used to have like educational carts. And then if you got to know the keepers, they might let you be a volunteer in an animal area mm. or you have to be an intern that like never left and just kind of stuck exactly. around as a volunteer. So very, I'm glad he gave you that opportunity. It Absolutely. went far. <laughs> uh, there's, so, there's just tons of people through the zoo that helped, helped me along the journey. You know, um, Kimberly Klosterman is still one of my closest friends. Um, part of my master's degree is I got involved with Kim uh, and we partnered to work on my whole portfolio for my master's degrees and ended up centering around the Kia. Awesome. Mm. So the, the Kia parrots at the zoo, I completely fell in love with and ended up focusing my entire master's degree portfolio on the Kia. And Kim and I together, um, we just did amazing things. Yeah. It was awesome. You know, we figured out how to get them to breed. We uh, figured out they, they had a, a medical condition that we figured out, um, partnering with the, the veterinarians at the zoo and Dr. Dahlhausen in Milford, who's a um, has a lab. He's a, a, a virology specialist, essentially. Figured out a lot about the disease um, that was affecting the birds and uh, developed a, a treatment where they weren't passing away, which was great. I mean, these birds are incredibly rare. Yeah. Yes. Um, incredibly intelligent, scary smart. Yes. So we did all types of education programs and um, ended up raising over $60,000 to support Kia conservation in New Zealand as part so of my master's cool. program. So Amazing. that's like, that's one of the things I'm like, when I die in my eulogy, I want that mentioned. Yeah, of course. Yeah, something to be proud of. Absolutely. Exactly. For sure. Yeah, we, we want to have Kim on to talk about like oh. about Kia. So we'll, uh, we can't wait to hit, learn more about those and tell everybody about Kia. They're such cool birds. Oh my gosh. And back in the day when I was in um, Wild Encounters and the education program, 
The Kia weren't on display for the longest time, and then they decided to have them out one winter for Festival of Lights. And <laughs> my boss at the time, Caitlin, was like, I don't know what she said exactly, but like, go in there and hang out, see what happens. Like, just we were trying to get a feel, like, what would they do? And these are parrots with like really sharp beaks, and I'm not afraid of many animals. Like, I don't really, I don't, I'm not afraid of sharks, I'm not afraid of spiders, I'm not afraid of snakes. And there are certain, I guess it's birds. Pan the ostrich makes me nervous. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with her. I'll, I'll, I'll work with her plenty, but I'm like, I don't want to be by her feet. And the Kia, I, I would be fine with them after a while. But that first day I went in there and there was like one hanging from my ponytail, one like sort of nibbling my ear, one like pecking something on, you know, on my belt. I don't know. And I just felt so overwhelmed and I was alone. And it's the type of aviary where you... Like, have to go through one door, make sure all the birds are still in, and then go through go another door. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what to do. I was just standing there like, please don't bite me. Please don't bite me. <laughs> so I won't lie. I was a little bit, like, I was very intimidated by the, the Kia at first. I, I just love those birds. I, I'm Honestly, I think they spent more time training us than we did training them, <laughs> definitely. Um, but they're so intelligent, and they size you up. I mean, they watch you. They watch your mannerisms. They learn your routines. Um, my favorite uh, story to tell about them is when they first came here, they were escape artists. Oh. So, I mean, they almost got shipped out. I heard were about so that, much trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, was that the start of the program that I'm kind of talking about? Like, yes. yeah, <laughs> when we let guests in. I remember we had to have, like, Band-Aids in there because you never knew what would happen. <laughs> well, uh, this is actually even before then. This is back when they were in Holding Holding Oh, Live. okay. They would undo the locks. You oh couldn't find a lock that they couldn't undo, and oh. they'll cooperate. They're incredibly social. Oh, yes. You know, so one will hold a lock, another one will spin it. So <sighs> they, they can undo um, all kinds of locks. It, you know, they were uh, regular carabiners. They got those off in a day. Then they had the screw-down carabiners. Mm -hmm. It took them a day to get those off. Um, then uh, they put padlocks on them. They took the pins out of the oh doors on the other side and opened the door the other way because they took <laughs> no the pins out. Way. So they secured those, and then uh, there's drainage um, grates. Yeah. Um, they they would line up and cooperate and lift those grate oh my covers off. I mean, they're heavy. Yeah. They would lift those off and then use the the drainage the, tunnels the to go. Yes, <laughs> to go to other enclosures. So they had to be weighted down with big rocks. I mean, it was like they were always one step ahead of us. Oh but my gosh. I loved. It was yeah. so cool. Yeah. You know? I mean, you got to be able to appreciate that. Definitely. Yes. Incredible birds. That we, yeah, we need to have a whole episode on the <laughs> yes. Kia for yeah. sure. Definitely. Um, so you were an intern doing, were you doing the AIP program while interning for Bird Show? Yes. Okay. And then I got hired there. And from there, I finished my degree. Um, and then from after I finished my degree, I ended up having the opportunity to go to Raptor. Was also. that a hard decision for you? Um. Yes and no. I, I mean, I love my job at the zoo. It was awesome. Um, but um, I was a part-timer, and I was bottom of the totem pole. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I wasn't going anywhere soon because nobody leaves the zoo. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Um, and so this opportunity to be in a management position in a conservation organization that already had an incredible reputation for good work, I mean, I couldn't pass that up. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. And Jen and I talk all the time about how it's so special to work for an organization that gets to do rehab and release yes. and you get to see the fruits of your labor mm -hmm. and actually see these animals put back out into the wild. Such a rewarding experience. So Absolutely. I can definitely relate to your desire to be with an organization yes. that can participate in that. Yeah. Total dream job for yes, sure. Definitely. <laughs> and the autonomy. Yeah. Really helps a lot yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, okay. We kind of like hit full circle then. Now we're yeah. back to Raptor Incorporated and we've talked a little bit about what you guys do, but like on a, on a daily basis, what's happening at your facility and like what could people expect 
you know, that you guys could do for them if they had, you know, they needed the help or what does your day-to-day -day job look like? All of that. That's a lot of questions. I'm really, I'm really good at, I'm really good at throwing a lot at people at once. <laughs> well, um, probably the, the first thing I need to start off with is we have two employees. Okay. That's so good, there's good the executive director, Cindy Alverson, um, and myself. Um, we are the only two paid employees of the organization. Um, we have about 70 volunteers wow, wow. that pull off um, all the great things that we do. Um, they're broken up into teams, and so we have a team of rehabilitators. Okay. That they usually have like a day of the week that's their day. Um, those people have been with the organization a long time. We have a lot of investment in them um, as far as training, um, their commitment. They've proven themselves mm -hmm. to have that opportunity for us to invest in that level of training because I mean that's medical care yeah, yeah of the absolutely. birds it takes a lot of training a lot of supervision um to, to which I think is interesting too with your paramedic career that that right? ties back into yeah. this I mean that's the weird thing you know between being a paramedic and having a teaching degree it all comes together yeah education too yeah it's very you know very good um then we have a team of educators um the educators use our we have 13 permanent resident okay. birds that have some type of disability that prevented their release so those birds are just like the zoo ambassadors. We use them on off-site and on-site programming. Um, for the most part, our educators are either certified naturalists or they're retired teachers. Oh, so our educators are awesome. Yeah, you know, and they can adapt. Do you they know, have you know, to be certified to do it? They don't have to, but they. I mean, we are very selective. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you could have a, a varied background. Somebody from the zoo would. We would definitely give a lot of credit to you. Know? <laughs> That's good to know. So, hint, hint. Anybody who's listening, if you have free time, which I'm sure you don't, you know, we can always use more educators. Um, but, yeah, they take the birds off-site and do educational programming. Um, then we have a team, of, we, we call them Saturday Crew, which does uh, the deep cleaning. We clean every day, and we, you know, we pick up uh, leftovers every day. But Saturday is when we pressure wash and do mm -hmm. all the deep cleaning, mm -hmm. um, perch repair and stuff. So there's that team. We've got a clerical team. Uh, basically, what whoever you are, there's your skill set. We've got something you could do with the organization. So we're always looking for reliable volunteers. And we make you prove yourself. Like, mm -hmm. um, you're going to clean cages and you're going to work hard to see, are you there because you're dedicated to the mission or do you think you're going to get to play with birds? Uh, yeah. Cause yes. you're not going to get to play with birds, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So those people, about. you know, the educators and the rehabbers and stuff have proven themselves that they're dedicated to the mission. So we just want to make sure that people don't think, you know, Oh, I want to volunteer there cause I'm going to get to play with the birds of prey and that's mm -hmm. not going to happen. Is there like a minimum hour like, or amount of days a week or month you have to put in? Yes. for It depends on the team. Okay. Like, um, you know, the clericals and, and uh, mowing grass and, you know, Saturday crew, there's a lot of variety there. And there's it, not as many requirements. But the educators and the rehabbers um, put in quite a bit of time. Okay. It, it, minimum, probably, I would say, 12 hours a week. Okay. Yeah, it's a substantial commitment for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Did I answer your question? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. so you have people that are coming in every day to help, and then, you know, Saturdays are your big cleaning day. Are there specific days that you're doing education programs, or is that just kind of how, like, do schools or libraries, or who's reaching out to you? Who are you doing the programs for? Um, just like that, yeah. We do a lot of schools. We do a lot of nursing facilities. Oh, very cool. Yeah, uh, retirement communities. Um, we, we do uh, community events like the county fairs. Um, we're doing Paddle Fest. But this year, I'm, I don't know if Sue's going to be down there. It's a big I don't know event. either. Very cool. Um, 
So, I mean, we do, you know, a lot of libraries. Yeah. Love, mm. love the libraries. <laughs> what uh, kind of birds are going out? Like, so people may not know, maybe just tell us a little bit about raptors in general or what sure. you, what types of birds, birds of prey, like explain to people what the difference is between a raptor and like a songbird. <laughs> oh, you're, uh, that's a great point. Um, our organization does specialize in birds of prey and people do not know mm -hmm. <laughs> what different species are. So um, it, when you call our facility, let's say if you find an injured bird and you call our facility, the first thing we're gonna do is try to identify what species it is. Because if it's not a bird of prey, we do not wanna see it. Mm -hmm. And we've got resources where we can give you numbers to direct you to the correct people who are, um, who are equipped to treat that bird or that animal properly. Um, we, you know, we are equipped to do birds of prey. So uh, generally, what we ask is every everything's a red tail hawk, everything. <laughs> of course, everything's a red tail hawk. okay, <laughs> including turkeys and including pigeons <laughs> and including everything else. So generally, what we'll do is we'll ask them to send us um, a photo, okay, on the cell phone or something, because mm -hmm. everybody takes tons of pictures. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we'll I, try to identify the species, and then after that. Um, the biggest thing we want, do you want me to run through like what we would ask people to do if yeah, they find sure. an injured? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's great a, idea. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's say if you find an injured red tail hawk in your yard, okay? The I've first done thing, it before. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I know. We bring that birds yes. for you. Yeah, um, the first thing we're going to ask you to do, we're, we're going to try to figure out, make sure it is a raptor, okay? And let me back up and explain what a raptor yeah, is. So yeah, what you how ask do you me. define that? Or A raptor or, and or a bird of prey, sometimes those are used interchangeably, there's a little bit difference between the two, but um, it's essentially predatory birds. So those are your hawks, owls, falcons, eagles, harriers, uh, osprey, they're your hunting birds. And uh, a bird of prey has a, a curved sharp beak and sharp curved talons on their feet that they use kind of like a fork and knife um, to dispatch their prey. So um, that's good what separates. Good word usage. Huh? Yes, <laughs> good <is>. word usage. <laughs> Dispatch. <laughs> so um, that's what birds of prey are. Um, songbirds, things like that. Those um, there's rehabbers that specialize just in those. So um, so that's what a bird of prey is. Um, if you would find like an injured hawk in your backyard, um, we're going to identify, try to identify that it definitely is a raptor. And then the next thing we're going to ask you to do is try to contain it in some way. Um, some of the easiest ways to do that is if you have a, like a cardboard box or even a laundry basket just to toss it over top of the bird just so it can't uh, fly or crawl away. Because mm -hmm. um, I mean they're, uh, to them we are just bigger predators mm -hmm. and so they're, you know, they're, they think we're going to eat them so they're going to try to get away as best as they can um, if we're near them. So we, we want to get them contained. Um, put a box or a laundry basket over top of them at the very least and put like a rock or something on top of it to weigh it down, then call us. Okay. So once you get a hold of our, we have an emergency dispatcher who's specially trained to talk people through um, the different things we need to do. So uh, the primary goal is we need to get that bird to us as fast as we can, um, efficiently and safely. Um, so we can, we have a, a group of great volunteers that serve as transporters for our um, organization and they've had training where they can um, help um, if you've just got it contained they can help get the bird safely into a box and transport it to our facility um, we can give instructions even for finders to get them in a box mm -hmm. um, usually you need a big thick pair of gloves yeah. or a big thick towel 
and we just want to put it in a box. We prefer cardboard boxes. We really do not want the birds placed in any type of caging mm -hmm. or have a heart traps or anything like that, anything with wire, because it destroys their feathers. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, so we always, you know, we try to ask it, like, cardboard boxes are the best. Yeah. Because they don't hurt their feathers. Yeah. You know, um, and so once we get them to the facility, then we will, you know, we, we've got a lot of resources at our disposal to help um, treat these birds properly. And we've had incredible training. That Probably the biggest point I want to get across to people is it's incredibly important to reach out to a trained and licensed mm. rehabilitator if mm. you find any type of wildlife that's injured. Please do not try to do it at home. And please don't Google way more how to do it. Yes. Yes. Those animals invariably <clears throat> suffer and die. Mm -hmm. um, wildlife uh, medicine is a specialty. And these birds, you know, nothing, nothing in the animal kingdom resembles birds. Everything about them, their anatomy, <laughs> their behavior, everything is different. So it doesn't matter if you have 20 years of um, training in treating dogs. You don't know how to treat a bird. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so please just get get those animals to a trained person. On top of that, you know, these birds are state and federally protected. And um, if you have a bird of prey in your um, in your possession, it's a federal offense, and the uh, penalties can be pretty stiff. So you don't want to be in possession no. of even a feather, believe it or not, mm -hmm. of one of these birds. Those are protected as well. So you can't even possess a feather one of these birds with um, without a federal and state permit so that's just a yeah. nice reminder too <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't try and do this on your own exactly seek help. Reach out and to the now you know where to reach yeah. out to if you're local to cincinnati exactly the and area. If, if we're able to uh, if this if we're able to rehab it and release it we'll invite those finders to be there oh very oh, cool awesome. and be a part of the celebration of course that's a big celebration when yeah. we're able to return a bird back to the wild yeah what are some of the birds that you guys typically see I, i'm sure like red-tailed hawks are really oh, common yeah. maybe cooper's hawks that kind of thing i would say our big ones are um red-tailed hawks red-shouldered hawks um Great horned owls, definitely barred owls, mm. um, eastern screech owls, American kestrels, um, Cooper's hawks. It's kind of interesting because we have a seasonality pattern okay. of some of the conditions that we see. You know, the owls nest uh, first. Uh, Great horned owls will start nesting in February. So they're really early. So we'll start getting, you know, orphans in or problems in with young birds um, March and April. Wow. So. And there's something that... Um, you know, a little bit before this, we were chatting, and I learned that there's a better time of year to take trees down. Will you yes. tell us about that? Like, that's one of these reasons you're seeing these owl chicks, right? Absolutely. Um, especially in the spring. Huh? Owl chicks, is that correct? Owlets. Owlets, Owlets. yeah. <laughs> like, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, that's not correct. I, I, Owlets, I yes. see all kinds of terms. Sorry. Uh, it's just easy to call a baby bird a chick. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Don't want to give out that wrong information, though. Owlets, yes. Sorry. So there's a reason there's a better time of year to take trees down. Absolutely. Uh, if, you're, if you're planning on taking down dead trees, the fall is always better. A lot of people, when we're coming out of winter and it's getting warm, they um, they want to do that work in the spring. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is especially owls in our area, they're cavity nesters. And so they're in those cavities of those dead trees. And we um, routinely get in um, eastern screech owls, barred owls, um, and hawks um, of different species when people are taking down dead trees. Mm -hmm. They roll out. Or, uh, you know, frequently they end up perishing um, in the destruction of the tree yeah. as well. So they end up finding, you know, a nest of dead hawks. Yeah. Um, 
if a nest is active, it, like if, if a bird is in there, there's eggs present or chicks present, they are sitting, um, it's a federal offense to disturb that nest um, if it's active. So yeah. <clears throat> that makes me think a lot of times uh, people will reach out to us. I don't know if you get these questions sometimes, but like they'll see a, a baby bird or a young bird, usually a juvenile or a fledgling, and they see it on the ground, a nest above, and they want to know, can they touch it? Should they touch it? What should they do? Um, and so speaking specifically to birds of prey, can you like kind of explain to people how you might know when it's a fledgling and it is supposed to be on the ground there mm -hmm. next to the tree or if it fell, how can you tell the difference? It's very difficult. Um, it, it, we face that every spring. Mm -hmm. So we, we get tons of orphans in every spring. Um, it's really difficult to see it, to figure out, is it an actual orphan? Is it injured? Or is it kidnapped? <laughs> yeah. um, so birds of prey leave the nest before they can fly. Mm -hmm. They fledging means like their first flight, or they mm -hmm. leave the nest. They, um, it's normal for them to leave the nest and not be able to fly just yet. They, um, the parents are paying attention. They're close by. They are feeding it. They are watching it and they're guarding it. Um, however, a lot of times it can be dependent on the location that they come down on. Um, the peregrine falcons downtown. If those chicks fledge and land in the middle of the road or on the sidewalk, we need to bring that bird in, Yeah, mm -hmm. whether it's injured or not, because obviously that's not a safe environment. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that goes for the other birds as well. If the environment is not safe, we get a lot of um, questions about dogs and cats oh, in yes. the area. Sure. So, I mean, it, we don't want to endanger the bird. If there's any risk to the bird, and in general, we, we generally do bring those birds in to the raptor center simply because we want to do a physical exam and make sure like it might be healthy um but we we can verify it at the raptor center and we can take it back oh, okay. right away so um we you know we always want to err on the side of caution so if there's any question um of the safety or the health of the bird we will bring it into the raptor center we will give it a full evaluation um, we do have a tree climber we have a, a bird bander who is just like a monkey in the trees it's amazing it, he can get those birds back in the nest um, if nests are destroyed, we can put up fake nests. Um, birds of prey are good parents, so they mm -hmm. don't just abandon their chicks, you know. So if we if we give them a little bit of help, they, they want to take care of their own. That's very interesting, and I just want to clarify, though, like something that people should do is maybe watch it for a little bit, see if they notice the parents feeding it or something, and then yes. you might know, like, no, that's totally fine, I don't need to call. And then mm -hmm. the next step is like, I've checked on it a lot throughout the day, or I haven't seen the parents come in two days, then they might want to give you a call, right? That's exactly so, like, what we're doing. Your gonna initial tell them. thing isn't going to be like put don't a box around. Yeah, 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 don't kidnap it. Right. Uh, maybe call for some advice first and you can there's things you can look out for. And then if it does seem questionable, then that's when you guys will assess Absolutely. it and then put it back. And the thing of like there's I don't know if it's true for any species. I can't think of one off the top of my head that I know it is true, but there's a lot of um, talk at least you know on Facebook and social media that like if you touch a baby bunny the mom will abandon it if you touch this bird it's it's generally not true it's a wife so if you like you know pick up a baby bunny to save it from getting run over by your lawnmower that's you know 
better than it getting hurt and the mom should most likely come back. You can always keep an eye and look out for those moms or there's certain things you can do. But with the birds, they will not be abandoned because they have a human scent on them, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it's a total wives tale. Yeah. However, I, I don't routinely correct people on that because it gets people to leave them alone. Oh. She's But then you see the people that like, they think, oh, I had to touch it for this reason. So now I better raise it. And that's exactly. not, that's not, that's not correct. correct yeah. No. Like, if its parents are around, please let the parents... You wouldn't want your children kidnapped. Like, please let the parents do this. Well, and interesting, you know, birds of prey have little to no sense of smell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With the exception of the turkey vulture. Um, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't say they have none. Um, but it's, like, great horned owls routinely feed on skunks. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a really interesting mm -hmm. fact to share. So, yeah. Do Very you guys have any great horned owls at the facility? Yes, we do. Yeah, we have Ollie. Oh, and so uh, they're a permanent resident there? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And do you guys, you don't allow visitors on a regular basis, but you do have some like open houses, don't you? Yeah. Do you have any coming up? We do. It's actually this month. We, we always have an open house on the last Sunday of the month. Okay. okay. March through November. So okay. So it's warm from 1 to 4 p.m. And the events are free. You can drop in anytime during that three-hour time period, and we um, generally have a lot of activities out. We have stations, educational stations, like you might be able to dissect an owl pellet. Um, we have um, birds out on the glove. We have biofacts that you can touch and interact with. You can take a tour of the facility and see the different setups that we have for different species. So those are the last Sunday of the month, March through November from 1 to 4, and our next one is July 31st. Okay, very so, cool. Yeah, I'm yeah, not sure when this awesome. episode will air, but hopefully, um, if it's not by July 31st, uh, August, August, the last yeah. uh, Sunday in August. Exactly. And you guys are backed up to remind me which park? Uh, the Cincinnati Nature Center. Yes, okay, Nature so you Center. could go and like spend the morning hiking and then stop by for the open house, or right. just stop by for the open house, of course, too. Yeah. But <laughs> it is like, it's just like a nice area of town, so yes. I think it'd be cool to make a, a little nature day out of it. Yeah, yeah. And do visitors have a chance to see any of your permanent residents? Yeah, they, they get to see them all. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, they don't get to touch them. Mm -hmm. So sure. we were asked that quite a bit. Um, but we do have touchable you artifacts. You don't want to touch these birds. No, <laughs> we don't me. touch them like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we, um, they go through quite a bit of training. It, there's never going to be a time where these birds are um, pets mm -hmm. or domesticated. So they are who they are. They're wild animals. And we respect them in that way. So the way we handle them... Um, is in that light. However, you know, they're smart. Mm -hmm. You know, if these animals weren't intelligent and able to adapt to their environment, they would not survive. Mm -hmm. So they learn very quickly that these uniform shirts usually come with treats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and when they see the glove, they uh, generally figure out pretty quickly that that person's going to protect their bubble. That's how I like to phrase it. You know, they learn to look to us that we're not going to let people come up on them too close. Um, we protect, you know, we don't, we try to keep dogs away from the area. Mm. Um, so things like that. So they, they're learning creatures. It doesn't mean they're domesticated. It just means they're smart. Yeah. And they've learned to adapt to their environment. Mm. And they learn to trust you guys as much as, you know, they can. Exactly. And you if know. you violate that, they'll remember. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So let's say um, somebody finds a hawk with a broken wing. Mm -hmm. And, but it's something that could heal and it could be released. Tell us what, like, the steps look like to keeping these birds wild, but also caring, giving them the care they need. Like, oh, great. how does that go? Perfect question. Um, especially if they come in young. Okay. If they come in as an adult, they're not going to imprint. Um, but if they come in, oh, yes. as... explain imprint, please. Oh, yes. okay. We um, haven't talked about that. Okay. Imprinting is, it's, it's, 
basically there's a window of time in a young animal's life where um, it, it's forming its identity and it forms its identity by the associations around it, generally apparent. So um, it mimics whoever's feeding it. So it learns like whoever the, the animals are that are feeding me, I'm imitating their behavior. I know they're going to be the ones that provide for me. So they form who they are and their behavior patterns based on that. Okay. So if a person finds a young animal and during that vulnerable time period and that animal associates its identity with people, it's going to seek out the company of people instead of its own kind. Generally that ends disastrously mm -hmm. for the animal. Um, if it's some form of wildlife. So we, you know, we go to great lengths to make sure that those birds don't identify their identity with us compared to its wild counterparts. And there's few, there's techniques that we use to do that. Um, I will give a caveat to this as I, you know, always get these animals to a licensed rehabilitator. So don't imitate yes. <laughs> yes. anything I say, you know, because I'm, I'm giving you a very, very superficial of description, course. and there's so much more involved. You're not going to be able to do this on your own, so don't imitate me. So. Yes. <laughs> um, with that said, some of the things that we do, if they come in really young, owls um, especially, they come in really young, we will put on um, masks, and we will cover our, we will basically wear camo suits, mm -hmm. okay? We do not talk around them when we're feeding them. Um, we use puppets. So we have actual puppets that were made by the Cincinnati Museum Center for us oh, very cool. from actual skins um, that we use with tweezers. We use puppets to feed um, the baby birds or the owlets so they can I visually identify with their own kind. Um, That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, vultures, oh my gosh, vultures are such a challenge because they are so intelligent and they imprint like right now. Um, so it's really important with them. Uh, you, we do not talk at all. We use the puppets. We cover up. And even better, you know, the, the first thing we want, the last thing we want to do is hand rear a bird. If we don't uh, hand rear it, I, it's just, no matter how good we are, we're never as good as a bird. Mm -hmm. Right. So the first thing we're wanted, we want to do is get that bird back out to its parents. So if there's whatever we can do is if we can help repair the nest, if we can, whatever we can do to support the family and get it back to its parents. So we're going to do that first. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to try to foster it. So if we have other nests in the area of the same species, oh. these guys are excellent foster parents. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. That's in general. so interesting. So we want to make sure we don't overwhelm a nest, mm -hmm. but we, you know, we've got researchers that do a lot of work with red-shoulder hawks, especially. They know where there's a hundred nests in this in the city. So if there's a nest that maybe only has two chicks and the parents are good providers, we'll pop another chick in that nest and, and then we'll monitor. It and it's no it's an open mouth and they'll feed it. Wow. Incredible. So we just want to make sure that um, the age of the babies are oh, similar. Oh, yeah, that's another yeah. step in the process. Exactly. Like These are predatory birds. Yeah. And if you got a really big owlet, like a great horned owl, who will eat anything? We were not going to put in a little one. Yeah. You know, that's just food. Mm -hmm. that so, yeah. Very cool. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. So we'll foster first and, and then, or, you know, we'll, real parents first, foster second, third, we'll hand rear with the outfit. We also cooperate with other organizations. So there's uh, Glen Helen Raptor Center that's a, further north of us near Dayton. Okay. They have um, a, a unique setup where they have a, an abandoned building on their property where they have nesting turkey vultures in the top and nesting black vultures in the bottom. They're wild. No so way. our first call, if we get a baby vulture, we call Glen Helen. It's like, oh gosh, can we please bring this baby up? <laughs> 
and we try to get that so the wild birds raise How it. Interesting. That's that's awesome. So what a good relationship to have with yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're all there's no competition right. in this field. We're all in the same mm-hmm. boat, and we all anything we can do to help each other, mm-hmm. we want to do that. So um, if we actually end up having uh, re- being required to hand rear these birds, then they go through. Uh, there's a whole process mm-hmm. that we have to make sure that they develop in a way where they can survive right. once we release them. Mm-hmm. So that's always the goal is that they get back out into the wild. Absolutely. Yeah. With the skills set to yes, survive to and make it as a wild bird. Yeah, That's right. And it yeah. can be complicated. Um, it's not just a matter of shoving food down their face mm-hmm. and um, letting them go and say good luck. You know, we have to, um, we will pair them with other birds in rehabilitation of the same species. So they have models that they, um, we actually have an Eastern Screech Owl that's a great foster mom. She's uh, an ambassador, but during the spring, when we get Eastern Screech Owl babies, we can pop them in her enclosure and she'll raise them like her own. She's awesome. Incredible. Yeah, so we'll, you know, we'll do that. Um, Then if they, if we just, you know, if we don't have really good models, um, we, we still try to limit contact. We, We try to get them outside in the large enclosures as fast as we can, away from uh, the daily activity of people in the hospital. Okay. Um, so then um, we want to limit contact. We don't want to talk. We don't want to hand feed them or anything like that or associate ourselves with food. Um, and then we'll also put them through a process that, you know, we, we call mouse school or live prey testing. We do have the ability um, to introduce live prey in the form of mice generally. We have special enclosures where they can't escape, okay. you know. And we can in, um, introduce live prey, and we've got cameras everywhere, and we can, you know, if, if a person is anywhere around, it's going to affect behavior. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't be around if, and actually observe behavior and get a good read. So we have cameras everywhere, so we can watch. Um, and it's really, it's, it's amazing and so much fun. I was just going to say, that must be so rewarding. You yeah. probably oh, are yeah. just like on pins and needles, just waiting for You should for hear it. us in the office, because we've got like a big color, <laughs> and they're like, come on, come on, you know, it's right there. You know, you're cheering them on. Um, so it's so funny, like, uh, one day a mouse will run across their toes and they'll look at it and like, is what, what's that? You know, <laughs> give them two or three days, let them get a little bit hungry. And then they figure out, oh, you know, they basically a light switch is flipped. Mm. We're not training them on anything. Uh-huh. It's just flipping a switch yeah, in their head. Natural they, behavior comes out. Yeah. They figure that. And once that happens, they're ready to go because we know they, they know how to play the game. But it's important that you guys have the means to facilitate that. Like you said, exactly. you're not training anything, but these are also natural behaviors that in some guy's garage, this bird would never learn this natural <laughs> no. behavior that you guys are helping it. I picture you guys like parents at a Little League game watching this TV, <laughs> just totally. screaming on yes. your kids. That's awesome. It's totally like that. Yeah, we were always rooting for them. You know, it's really hard not to be involved, which is, you know, important, you know. Yeah. Um, but timing and, and, and their behaviors are subtle. So, I mean, it takes a lot of experience to know when, when is appropriate, when, you know, this bird's ready to actually survive. So let's say it's, we basically gave an example or just spoke about like an orphaned, uninjured young bird yes it can fly so you don't have to worry about that but then if you had maybe someone a a bird that was sick and weak or had a broken wing there are different steps that you have to take because it knows how to hunt but you have to get it to the point where it can again so how does that look um it's every it, it they're just like people so every patient is an individual so um depending on what they come in with. Um, eye injuries are incredibly common oh. with these guys. Um, I would say um, over 60% of the birds. Do you know birds. what the cause is? Is that natural, like running into things, or is it human-induced? It, it's 
human abuse. I think. Really? Well, I think it's both. You know, basically what happens is um, one of the big things I get, like what you can do is, yeah. One of the big ones is don't litter. It's just that simple. If you don't litter along roadways, litter draws rodents. Yes. Rodents draw raptors, and they don't look both ways before they cross the street. So I would say probably 60% or more of the birds we admit are hit by vehicles. So the eye injuries are coming from those. Correct. Okay. And gotcha. so I'm guessing most of our listeners care about the wildlife and environment around them. So they most likely aren't littering, but something they could do on top of that of not littering is pick up litter when you see it you know like if you have the opportunity to always you know be thinking of how it does affect more than just like looking bad on the side of the road there's Mm -hmm. a lot that goes into it for sure exactly yeah it's a whole ecosystem and that's another thing that you had mentioned to us earlier is that's even part of the stuff that your organization does you have volunteers that help pick up litter on the street we do that's we, all part of it, yeah. We adopted the highway, uh, adopt the highway program on Round Bottom Road, which is near our facility. So we have, I think, a one or two mile stretch that we go out periodically and we pick up trash and we keep that area clean. Because, um, mm. I mean, it's a prominent, there's a lot of farms there, there's mm-hmm. a lot of rodents, so it's, it's a prominent area. I'm where, guessing a lot of people don't put that association together how litter would draw rodents and rodents are going to draw these predators that can be injured when they're just they're focused on this mouse and a car comes 50 miles per hour they don't have a chance that's right so you mentioned a a huge portion of your animals are going to be hit by cars yes how do you admit those patients once they get in yeah so it doesn't mean that's the only thing happening to Mm -hmm. birds of prey out in the wild but you got to think what does it take to actually make it to the raptor center so you got to have a human find you mm-hmm. and be brave enough to get you in a box and bring you to us. Mm-hmm. And so that usually happens along roadways or populated areas or yards. So those, it doesn't mean there's not other things that are happening to birds that they're just not, we're not finding them. Right. Sure. And they're not coming in. Um, so with birds that are hit by vehicles, we get a lot of wing fractures. We get a lot of eye injuries, uh, detached retinas. It's, kinda, it's like us with a car accident, a head injury, where if you, if you get hit in the head really hard, the retinas and your eyes can detach, you know, so that's very, that's a common injury um, with birds of prey. So we're very lucky that we have uh, two ophthalmology veterinarians that we work with who are phenomenal. How wonderful. Yes. And so we, we, their eyes, you know, if we have an eye injury, um, we can just call them up and we have some very specialized vets that can really do some amazing things. So there aren't many of those around, so that's awesome they'll work with you. Yeah. Yeah, we're very lucky. So um, we have have excellent vets all the way around, Um, but we we have vets that specialize in things. We have one that does orthopedic surgery. We have two that do eyes. We have one that does a lot of lab work for us. Are they just on call, and are they volunteering their time for you? They are generally volunteering their time. We call and we make appointments. Okay. Um, And they operate. Um, a lot of times they're actually seeing us on their lunch hour wow. or after hours. I mean, their yeah. generosity is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So we're incredibly grateful. Amazing. And their work, especially for raptors, is so important. I mean, these are animals that make a living based on their eyesight. They wouldn't yes. survive without it. Yeah. And um, I, I have a nephew who's a veterinarian. I have incredible respect for all veterinarians. But <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the veterinarians we work with are incredibly special because, number one, most veterinarians are not good with birds. <laughs> okay, I mean, that it's a whole other specialty. There's no money in it. It's definitely you know, a specialty. It's a specialty. Mm-hmm. So everything about, nothing about their biology works the same way as ma- mammals. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is most veterinarians want nothing to do with wildlife. Oh. Because there's a whole other, you know, infectious disease, um, oh. permitting. There's all kinds of other complications mm-hmm. involved with wildlife. And again, there's no money in it. Um, so there's, um, the vets that we work with are very, 
I mean, they're one in a million. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're so grateful. We actually have, I think, six that wow. we work with in different specialties. So they're incredibly generous. Um, so back to some of the injuries in the processes um, that we go through. Um, a lot of it is patient dependent. Um, it depends on the location of the fracture, if it's something that we can treat or not. Um, if it's near a joint, and if it's something that's going to freeze that joint, it's probably something that we're not going to be able to do anything about. Mm -hmm. um, so that's very important. Um, with eyes, it can actually depend on species. Um, great horned owls or um, barred owls can depend as much on hearing wow. for hunting as mm -hmm. vision. Incredible. So um, a, a, a great horned owl, let's say, with a non-functioning eye, it's very likely to be releasable. Um, because they still have the ability to locate prey. If it's a Cooper's hawk, I seriously doubt yeah. it's going to be releasable mm -hmm. even with one eye. Mm -hmm. They're just so visually dependent. Yeah. And so there's, I mean, there's a lot. It's very complicated. Yes. A lot of decision yes. making. And I mean, the, the the biggest thing is is the people who are licensed rehabilitators are the ones that are in the position to give the animal its best chance. Because mm -hmm. we will try everything possible. You know, we won't. If there's a chance that bird's releasable, we will invest the resources to in, give it that opportunity. You know, and then you guys also have like a giant free flight area, right? Yes. So they can learn and build up their muscle again if they did Very have a wing injury or if they were sick and like emaciated, and you just needed to plump them up and they like they can get their strength back in that, right? Yep. I mean, we essentially do <clears> physical <throat> therapy in those big flight enclosures, and you know, there's different things we can do as well um, with exercise depending on what the injury is. Yeah. And then how do you choose who might make a good ambassador animal? You know, they're not releasable, but, you know, they're not, it's not time to be euthanized. Or how does that decision? It's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> do you um, have to cap it at a certain number? Well, I mean, it, you have to have the ability. We have to have the facilities and resources yeah. available to take on. Most facilities, it's the same with the zoo, mm -hmm. you know, with any facility mm -hmm. that uh, is under professional human Money. care. <laughs> it's, you got to have facilities. So mm -hmm. do you have enough enclosures? Do you have enough budget to provide for the food? It's, you know, we have a limit. Um, a good example is we have a resident bald eagle. Um, his name is Eli. Um, he is fairly young. He's, I think he's six, six or seven. Um, he can um, realistically live into his 30s. We will not take another bald eagle yeah. um, because we don't have the uh, resources of the facilities to, you know, to care for them properly. Mm -hmm. sure. um, so it's, you know, it's resource-based. Um, as far as choosing an actual ambassador, whether they're a good fit or not, um, there's a hundred questions okay. that we go through. Um, generally, they're young mm -hmm. um, and you know, we're all, we're a conservation organization. So the last thing we want to do is put an animal in a situation where we torture it every day. Right. So if you, I mean, if you get a, an adult Cooper's hawk, that bird is not going to be a good ambassador because mm -hmm. it's just going to be so stressed. It's never going to see you as a partner yeah. or somebody that's going to protect it. It's just, we're, we're just a predator. So different like mm -hmm. species specific, uh, kind of personalities, but also individual personalities yes. and yeah. N nature of the injuries. That's very important. Are they going to be healthy? Are we, um, are they going to get arthritis and get mm -hmm. a condition called bumblefoot? I mean, there's all kinds of decisions that yeah. can be made. Mm -hmm. And then as far as like purchasing food and all of the facilities, is that all donated money or how are you guys raising money? And do you have any like events or things that people could look <laughs> forward to, to kind of help you guys out? I spend probably more time fundraising than I do anything, to yeah. be honest. Um, we're a nonprofit organization. We, um, we do not receive any public funds, any tax money, or anything like that. So we, um, 
fundraising with just about any nonprofit is probably half your work. Yeah. Um, so we, we have events that we do every year. We, we, our educational programming that we do off-site is for a fee. Oh, yeah. So a lot of that money helps, the education programs help fund rehab. Um, we um, do fundraisers at like the breweries. Um, we have a, a different events. Uh, one that's coming up that's pretty big for us is we're doing our first annual 5K run. Oh, cool. It's the awesome. first time we're doing it. I'm kind of scared because I'm managing it. <laughs> That'll be job. great. Um, it, it's going to take place in Milford okay. at Miami Meadows Park, which is off of State Route 131 in Milford. It's on September 11th Okay. Um, in the morning. And um, basically we're... We have some really um, cool things we're going to give out. So it's um, it's a 5K run. Um, if you go to our website, which is raptorinc.org, um, there's a tab across the top that says Raptor 5K. You can click there for all the information. But just so, I know you can't, your audience can't see, but I wanted to show you guys some of the medals. Oh yeah, that we're giving out and oh, the T-shirts. Oh yes, very cool. So this year we're focusing on great horned owls. So the goal is, is to have the 5K be an annual event, and every year we're going to feature a different species. Oh, I love that. Oh, cool. So hopefully you can collect. Like I mean, the medals are so cool. I was going to yes. say for the listeners can't see it obviously, but this is an awesome medal with the Raptor Inc logo, great horned owl profile picture right in the middle. That's a great idea to kind of collect the different species. Yes, that makes you, know. you want yeah. to come back and share, like, in the next one. So it's really, you know, you get a really cool medal. You get a really cool T-shirt featuring that bird. Um, and also the first, second, and third place men and women, um, instead of, like, um, a generic trophy that's going to collect dust, um, we're actually partnering with um, Whistle Stop Clayworks in Loveland, and they're going to make um, one-of-a-kind mugs that are oh. going to be like the trophies so for the, cool. it's, it's going to feature, um, oh, awesome. it'll be you personalized. You can actually use it if you want to, or Absolutely. it'll look nice if you, it's kind of a, I think a much cooler trophy. Yeah. Something that you can winning. actually do something with too. Yeah. So when do you have to sign up for, um, that buy and are there like age limits or anything like that? Um, we don't have any age limits. It's basically if you pay the fee, you're registered to partic participate. Um, we do have a date cut off to ensure that you get a medal or a t-shirt. Okay. I believe it's the 28th of August. Okay. Um, but everything is on our website as well as a link to actually sign up. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and so what will, what are some of the things that this money will support for people listening? Like, you know, it might encourage them if like, Oh yeah, this will make a huge difference in what way? Um, well, the biggest thing, probably one of our biggest expenses simply is food. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, it, we spend, tens of thousands of mm -hmm. dollars on food. So that's that's a big thing, um, an expense to pay uh, that we need um, funds for. Another thing is medications and um, supplies, like cleaning supplies. You know from a zoo world, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you know, the other half of my day is spent cleaning. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, buying those supplies. Um, you know, we go through a lot of vet wrap. We go through a lot of gloves. Do you guys take donations? Absolutely. Okay, so say somebody works for a vet hospital, and for whatever reason, they're getting rid of gloves or or the tape or oh, something. You guys would take absolutely. that? Absolutely. Oh, good we to would know. love to have that. I don't know so. how that works or, like, how things expire and how they might not work for a hospital for for humans, but maybe they would work perfectly fine for you guys. That is that is absolutely true. Okay, so that is something Most that... of the red-tailed hawks don't have very good lawyers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's okay if they're... 
<laughs> something's it's expired. a little bit out of date, yeah. you know, especially like gloves or something like that. Yes, it's still, it's very useful. Are there things that people might have around the house? Like, do you need towels or sheets or things? Or are there things that people might just be getting rid of that would be helpful? Um, or we is that we just... do have people collect um, toilet paper cores oh, yeah. for us and newspaper. Okay. Um, things like that because we do, you know, a lot of caging. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you put the newspaper like lining on the bottom and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So stuff like that. Um, we have an Amazon wish list okay. that they can go. If you go to our website, there's a link to it. So there's uh, things on there like cleaning supplies, gloves, vet wrap, laundry detergent. Oh, that's okay. huge. Oh, yeah, we sure. need a lot of laundry detergent. So that's a that's a huge thing for to all donate. these towels and things that yes. they're being. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we we do probably three loads of laundry a day. Wow. Okay. So, so that's good to know. Yeah, those are things. And that is that something people could drop off when they do the open house or should they contact you first or any way they want to do it. Okay, um, it's, it's probably always best to reach out and contact us because I mean, Cindy and I are the only two employees that are guaranteed um, there. But if we're at a vet appointment or something like that, there, there might be a time where it's not somebody right there to right. welcome you. Um, so call ahead and we'll make sure somebody's there. Okay. Um, the open houses are also a great time to drop by. Okay, cool. There were some things also that like, I just wanted to go over that, would help birds of prey in general. Um, you know, s simple things like the don't litter because it attracts rodents. That Are there more of those? I remember hearing like something about like taking your sporting nets down. Like, Is that yeah. talking about like soccer goals if your kids are out that playing in the backyard? It, it certainly is. You would be surprised at how many great horned owls we get tangled in soccer nets. Wow. And they often end up with what we call a coracoid fracture, which is like our collarbone. Okay. Um, so um, something that simple, like off-season even, if you will just take down those nets, can be a big benefit. Yeah. Um, animals are smart, and prey animals will hide <laughs> under those nets, and then the owls get tangled in the nets going after the mice. Uh, yeah, something I would never want to I would never think of. that either, yeah. 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 Um, uh, a big one is uh, disposing of fishing line. Or oh, cotton. sure. Oh. Yeah. Barred owls. We get barred owls in all the time, from tangled in fishing line. So, yeah. and a lot of it is, it's people are not being... They're not trying to be irresponsible or anything. You know, if you're casting a line and gets caught in a tree, you just cut it. Oh, you, yeah. you know what I mean? And leave it. You don't realize that that can tangle a, uh, a barred owl. And it's, I mean, what a suffering mm -hmm. death that is. Yeah. You know, so, so you see that in a lot of kind of local lakes areas. You'll see it kind of tangled, some fishing line tangled in a tree. And yes. make sure you're getting it out. Or if you're just a a good, good Samaritan yeah. while you're fishing, feel free to pull some of that oh, out. Please. There's a lot of waiting while you're fishing. Yeah. You, know? you want to purpose while you're kayaking or something? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge one. I mean, we get in quite a few barred owls from fishing line. Mm. Um, a pet peeve of mine is those helium balloons oh, releases yes. and the flaming lanterns. Um, People have no idea. Oh my gosh. Those flaming lanterns, you're literally s sending off a fire, a house a fire, fire or a forest yes. fire. Mm -hmm into an area with, you know, and I, I get, you know, a lot of times they're tributes to a deceased family members or whatever, but I don't think they would appreciate you burning down somebody's no. house or, you know, killing an animal right. in their honor. Yeah. Um, and balloons are this, it's all you're doing is setting up litter. Yes. It's just going to float away and land in the waterways at some point yeah. in time or in, Ugh. I mean, we found things and, you know, just the zoo, they somehow make their way. And I found like a Nylar balloon in the hippo habitat and had it come in, in the middle of the day before I let the, or like while the hippos were out, they could have eaten it and it could have, you know, could have ended their life. Exactly. Yeah. So 
releasing these balloons, yes, like you said, it's usually a tribute and there's some very good intention behind it, but it's truly just going to cause harm in one way or another. Yeah, it could devastate. What goes up must come down. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I just I just cringe yes, every time I see I that on television. And it's so hard because you don't know how to say something when somebody's suffering and that's the whole reason they're going yeah. and doing this, but please don't do those. There's a lot of other things you can do. Yes, plant you know, wildflowers. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, like throwing rice at weddings. It's yes. like get a bunch of wildflower seeds and so, you know plant a tree. Yes. That is awesome. Do That's something. the best thing you can do. Yes, give life. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You know, there's so many you know productive things that you can do to honor mm -hmm. someone. Um, so um, you know, we respect uh, hunters and fishermen. You know, the the thing we you know hunters and Fishermen, they have been responsible for uh, protecting a lot of wildlife areas, a lot of land, um, you know, to make sure it's not developed for wildlife. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we love those people. Um, we just ask that they use lead-free yes. ammunition mm -hmm. and sinkers. It takes a piece of lead the size of a grain of rice to sufferingly kill a bald eagle. Wow. So it's a very small amount um, that they get from, you know, eating from gut piles um, that it's, it's, you know, that's one thing that people can do that would make a huge difference. Um, there was a, a, a recent paper that was just published, um, that, uh, they did basically a screening of lead levels in bald eagles just across the country. And just about all of the bald eagles that they tested, um, had significant lead levels. Man, wow. is lead ammunition not illegal? It's not illegal. Oh, man. I didn't think it was like a thing anymore these days. Yeah, it still is. Oh. You know, the other ammunition is a little bit more expensive, but not dramatically. Okay. Um, but it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Nice. For wildlife, so Definitely. that's a big one. And not just birds of prey for any animal that's going to come and scavenge off your kill. Like that's it's, yeah, it's huge. That's right. Yeah, um, and also too, hunters, if you're eating that deer meat, you know, lead is toxic yeah. people as well. <laughs> yes, lead poisoning. Yes. Yeah. Um, we ask people not to use poisons um, to eradicate rodents. Um, rodents are incredibly smart. They will test um, poisons that are set out for them, and a lot of times it'll make them sick, but they don't die. So they get out in their weekend, and they're just, you know, they're just out in the open for yeah. the predator, for the birds of prey. Um, and those you're killing more than one animal. You're killing yes, yes, probably the most cruelest thing I can think of on earth are those sticky traps. Oh, I, yes. I love those. Oh, you know, to have, you know, have a bird attack. I mean, their, their feathers are destroyed. Mm -hmm. Even yeah. if you can, you know, so if it, somebody finds them and right. And yeah. we can even do anything with mm -hmm. them. You know, sometimes it's just so bad. We can't do anything. Um, but they're not going to come out of it unscathed. That's mm -hmm. for sure. So those are just terrible things. There's other things you can use. Put up nest boxes. Yeah. Draw raptors to your area and let them take care of your rodents. Yes, Definitely, leave yeah. the snakes to <laughs> yeah. take care of them too. Yeah. Um, you can also cap your chimneys. Um, a lot of these owls especially are cavity nesters. If your chimney is open, barred owls, we get plenty of reports every year of, uh, there's a barred owl in my living room wow. because it came down my chimney. Um, that's not something I think of. No, that's not <laughs> yeah, me neither. So, you know, you know, that's important too. And plus it keeps the songbirds and other things out of your chimney. Um, you know, plan your tree work in the fall. Um, and the big one is support your local rehab centers, you yes. know, your local um, rehabilitators. Because mm -hmm. they're, you know, generally they're operating on a shoestring budget. They're usually usually doing it out of the kindness of their heart. They're, it's their own time and treasure. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times that are invested in that and they need all the help they can get. They do good work.
Yes, definitely. I, a I've, shoestring budget with two employees in right. this case. <laughs> and we're actually a very fortunate facility. We are we are um, we are positioned very well. We're a more uh, uh, we're one of the larger facilities in the area, so we're we have a lot of resources that other people don't. So we're very very blessed in that way. Not that we can't still use donations. Right, sure. of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, I guess it's about trivia time. Uh, do you have trivia today? I do have some trivia for you guys. All right. Jackie, if you're up for it. I will try. So for today, we've got some wingspan questions. Jenna, okay. I, I always know how much Jenna loves uh, dealing with numbers, getting away from the biology and animal behavior and going towards I should have had numbers. my boss here. She's the number lady. I'm more the big picture person. <laughs> so this is all for birds of prey. We've st we'll start off with a couple local birds okay. that I'm sure you've seen in your facility or you have as permanent residents as ambassador animals. We've definitely got some of them here at the zoo. What do you guys think is the wingspan of a red-tailed hawk? Four feet. Three and a half to four feet. What I Three Yay! and a half to four. You guys are both right on the money. Average is right at about four feet. Okay. Perfect. One for one. Jenna was getting worried, worried oh, over there. Oh, well, oh, well, I mean, no, no, no. it's a team, it's competition, I mean, whatever you But if, if you know something and you want, usually I just guess and embarrass myself, but we'll see how, how well I can guess this time. Okay, next up. You said you have one of these at the facility you mentioned. I think you said his name was Eli, a bald eagle. Yes. Wingspan? Wingspan, yes. I would say five to six feet. Five to six feet. I would guess uh -huh. seven. Seven. You guys are both right on the money. So it averages about five and a half to six and a half feet. So okay. you guys are both right there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> two for two so far. Uh <laughs> Let's go. Let's keep it going. All right. Another bird of prey, which is an animal that I've had like kind of family members ask me about that I don't think a lot of people realize is a bird of prey. American kestrel. Oh, little tiny thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Small little falcons, yeah. I'd say 14 inches. I was going to say a foot. A foot. You guys are both a little bit small. The average oh. is right around 20 inches. Oh, wow. 20 inches. A about a foot and a they half or so. so I, yeah. know. <laughs> I just want to go back to the thought of like a bald eagle having a six and a half foot wingspan. Like, Imagine that and then t putting them on their side. They're taller. That's taller than most humans. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, six and a half. They're very foot large. Is massive. Yeah. Well, the thing that fascinates me as well is the difference between males and females. Oh, sure. yes. Yeah. I have to take so, that into account. <laughs> in raptors, it can be 30%. It can be massive. Yeah. yeah. Females are typically larger. Yeah, females are the big and bad ones. Yeah. Yes. I like to tell people. Yes. But yeah. Six and a half feet for a bald eagle is massive. On the opposite side of the spectrum, you've got little kestrels, cute little birds, about 18 to 20 inches, yeah, foot and a half or so. Huh. All right, we're getting away from uh, birds found around here. These are exotic birds. We have one of these around the zoo. Actually, I think we have two of them here. Andean condor. Oh. I'd say eight to ten. Eight feet. to ten from Jackie. Jenna? Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think. Um... I'll say 11. 11. Average is right at about 9 to 10 feet. Okay. Yeah, 9 to 10 nice feet. Job. Which I get lucky. Impressive. <laughs> <laughs> impressive so far. Like like you mentioned for the bald eagle, 6.5 feet oh is gosh. huge for a bald eagle. Could you imagine an Andean condor no. sitting at 10 feet? Yeah. What's my that wingspan? Is, that's a, a basketball hoop. Oh, oh my gosh. But flying. It's <laughs> like, like a dinosaur. Wild, yeah. All right, last one I got for you guys. This is a, a very famous, well known bird. 
Big Bird. I knew. Yeah, as soon as you said that, I was like, we're going to bring up Big Bird for like the fifth time. <laughs> it's, just, is, it's just a running joke at yeah. this point. Like, We've done how tall he is. So this time big, it's his big wingspan. Big Bird's wingspan. Oh, man. It's big tiny, Bird's right? Does it, okay, so his body. I don't know. I will guess six feet. I'm trying to remember six what he feet. looks like. Is it human arms? <laughs> I'll guess five feet. Five. It's actually so the research I did. I it kind of varies a little bit based on who's in the costume. Okay. Apparently, sorry for any of you kids out there listening. <laughs> <laughs> Big Bird's a person in a costume, but, but yeah, it's about six feet, kind of give or take a little bit. Okay. So, yeah. No, yeah. No, I just keep putting my arms on. No one can see me, but I'm like, what am I? Jenna's arms? been sizing her her own wingspan for this whole this whole trivia session. <laughs> Well, that oh, wasn't man. as terrible as it has been sometimes. No, you guys were awesome there. I think we were... five for five. I think, yeah, Jackie yeah, was five. That was for perfect. Five. Yeah, that was perfect. Awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, is there anything else we didn't hit that you wanted to really talk about? or There's one thing I would like to mention, and that it goes back to the time at the zoo. Okay, I don't think people realize um, the good that the keepers do at the zoo behind the scenes that are not part of their job. Okay, and we benefit from that as well. So some of the things I want to mention are um, like part of my master's program. I was I partnered with uh, Kim Klosterman, who is a aviculture keeper, and we did projects on the side that raised sixty thousand dollars for programs for Kia in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, on those same lines, the um, zoo has a program through Crew, uh, the Internal Conservation Fund grant program. And basically what that is, is there's money set aside for the zookeepers here to put forth uh, grant proposals to support programs that they're personally passionate about. Mm -hmm. So, and those grants have supported things all over the world, you know, mm -hmm. in Africa with wild dogs. I know um, that was me. Yes, that was yeah, that was I did like four of them. <laughs> yeah, we had we had an appearance together. Yes, um, Raptor Incorporated. We have benefited from three oh, of those nice. grants um, that uh, Kim had put forth for us. Um, so the zoo for our facility has actually purchased um, lab equipment. For us and, and testing services, we did a field study, part of the research that we, we were participating in, is we did some research on West Nile virus and avian bornavirus. We just did a screening to see how prevalent it was in our native uh, local wildlife, how prevalent those diseases were. Um, so um, the zoo bought us a lot of the equipment, paper, a lot of that testing. We got a cool microscope that's got a camera on it. Um, I'm very fortunate to work. Um, my executive director is actually a retired lab technician. Oh, um, she actually was over multiple hospitals, so she oh, was wow. way up the food chain. Um, so she has the ability to do some things at our facility that other facilities don't have wow. that benefit. Yeah, the so, background between the two of you is just perfect. It's perfect. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah, I, and I love working with her. It's it's great. So a lot of the, like, we can do our own CBCs and, uh, uh, you know, wet mounts. And, you know, there's different lab tests that we can do in-house that we don't have to send out and pay somebody for. It. You know, we can do hematocrits and things like that. But this, uh, the, the, um microscope that the zoo bought for us with this camera if we see something funky on a slide i can take a picture and email it to the vet wow. and say what is this awesome. <laughs> you know? how convenient and then yeah. they can turn around or and like prescribe the correct medication or whatever so that's one of the things that the zoo bought for us um another thing they bought was um an uh, animal intensive care unit so a big incubator really important in the spring um when we oh, get those sure. young 
phase in um, to make sure that we're maintaining their body temperature appropriately. And it also has the ability to deliver nebulized medications wow. for uh, respiratory uh, illnesses, things like that. Um, it was a huge benefit. Um, and then uh, this last grant that they did in 2000 that we applied for, they bought us um, our incredibly valuable uh, blood lead tester equipment. Oh. For raptors, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have the ability to in-house test for lead levels. Wow. You know, especially for like vultures and bald eagles. Um, we can do that all in-house and, and get re results instantly. Is there yeah. anything you can do yes. to help with lead? It sure is. Okay. Um, we, there, it is treatable depending on the level. Okay. A so lot I of times, think it was. Yeah. It, if they come in so high, sometimes it's just too late. We just can't catch up. Um, if we get them in a low or moderate range, there's medications. They're called chelators that we can deliver to the birds. It's extensive work. Uh -huh. And it, it's, it's time-consuming. It takes a long time to do it. Um, but it's possible, and we can get those birds back out. But it's it's really important to have to be have, able to test and oh. see where are the levels coming down. Yeah, is our treatment sure. working? Um, do we need to you know change what we're doing? Mm -hmm. um, so all that stuff's very important. So we're incredibly grateful um, to the work that the zoo does behind the scenes to actually put their money where their mouth is. Yes, you that's, know? that's a great, I'm glad you brought that up. And it is one of the things that I appreciate the most is sometimes as keepers, I've mentioned before, like, we take great care of the animals here, but I just want to be doing more. Like, I want to save the animals, not just, like, take great care of the ones here that are doing well. Um, and those grants are the, it's like the perfect opportunity. If we want to put the time and effort in, we apply. And then there's, like, a certain number that get chosen. And the zoo usually gives, you know, up to, like, four grand per project. Yeah. And it can go yeah. to all sorts of things. So that's what that money that you're getting these grants each year that's helping. So the zoo does support way more than people will ever know, I think. Yeah. People do not do this work for the money. No. <laughs> people do this work because they're passionate yes. about it. Um, that's for sure. Because there's a thousand people willing to do your job for free. Yes. So that's why there's. it's mm -hmm. very hard to get a paid position doing this. Because so many people want to do it for free. Yes, because it's that special. So. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right, Jackie. I have one last question. Uh -oh, the okay. big one. If you had to give <laughs> us one thing, what can I do? Um, I know there's a million things. We went over a lot, but if people left this episode and they just were like, I just want to help Raptor Incorporated or I want to help wild birds, what can they do? Um, well, I went through that list of a lot of things you can do to help support raptors in the wild. Mm -hmm. Like, um, don't litter. Um, just be respectful of your environment. Um, take down your nets. Um, don't use poisons. Things like that. I, I, would, I think the most important um, things are... Um, don't use lead and don't litter. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want to, it's also important to support the people that are actually out there doing other Definitely. work. Mm -hmm. um, so some of the things... If you don't care, um, I can mention that how they can support our organization. Yeah, definitely. And other um, conservation organizations, we all have the same needs. Mm -hmm. um, you can support directly by making donations, monetary donations, or stock donations, all those types of, of things. Um, becoming a member, we have membership oh, awesome. drives, and there's benefits to becoming a member. Um, you can sponsor a banded raptor. We have a, we work with researchers that band um, most of the birds that we rehab and release. So it helps us. You kind of keep track of them. Yes. Okay. It helps us. It, it gives us information on the birds as a species, but it also gives us information on our rehab techniques. Yeah. So you know we know if we get a bird See back in, yeah. you know five years later we gave that bird a great shot. Oh, you yeah, know, that's so awesome. that's really important. Awesome. Um, 
You can you know, schedule tours or educational programs with us. And another big one is you can volunteer your time. So that's really important. Um, the last thing I would say was um, enroll in the K uh, Kroger Community Rewards Program. Um, I'm a huge advocate of that. And it, um, of course, I would love for you to sign your card up to Raptor Incorporated. See, I didn't know Kroger did this. I've heard of Amazon Smile, but yes, yes. tell us about this Kroger thing. Um, it, if you've got a Kroger card, you basically pick your favorite nonprofit and you attach them to your card. Whatever you spend on groceries, and I spent a fortune because I Is this a, a Kroger boy. credit card or is this no, just the Kroger like it's the regular card? Okay. It's the yeah. Kroger card for your discounts. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You so go it costs on you to nothing. Yeah, just whatever it, groceries you're buying. <laughs> it costs you zero. It's based on what you spend. So like I spend it probably a thousand dollars a month, I'm not kidding, mm -hmm. at Kroger. Um, four percent of what I spend at Kroger, they donate to your chosen charity. That's amazing. So I would love to say, you know, put your card to Raptor, yes. which yeah, I would love you to do that. But What's more important is put it to somebody yeah. that you care about because it's it's costing you nothing and it's free money that's just mm -hmm. being wasted. So make sure that you've got somebody picked out that's benefiting. Um, and do they have just like a list and so mm -hmm. people could type in Raptor Inc. or they could type yep. in Cincinnati Zoo or they could type in their favorite nonprofit organization and yep. it will support them. Yep. I think I, I think if you go to KrogerCommunityRewards.com, okay. I think, and it gives you instructions and there's whoever signed up and if you're a nonprofit, you're signed up okay <laughs> uh, yeah there uh, you just search through the list and pick who you want to support so like you said it costs you nothing you Correct. just have to go online and sign your card to attach it to this nonprofit and the nonprofit benefits it's we get awesome. quarterly yeah. checks based on the people who have chosen us as their chosen charity and the donations can be significant they can make a big difference wow what an easy way to help yeah. yes like and maybe you could change it each year if you want to support all of these different places or something yeah so, oh, thank you. That's, I feel like we learned so much today and I'm hoping that people at the very least, like, like I said, I get questions from friends. So I'm sure there are people out there that have no one to reach out to or they're, you know, it's probably not happening often in your life. But if you come across an injured bird, even if it's not a raptor, at the very least, if you don't know what to do, call Raptor Incorporated, uh, look something up and find a, a rehab or a re rehabilitation center and they can direct you to the right type yes. or help you figure out a way to bring it in if that is the correct one. Um, ask for help. Don't do it yes. yourself. Yes. <laughs> and we actually have the state and federal permits for Ohio and Kentucky. So oh, we perfect. actually cover Northern Kentucky and uh, Southwest Ohio. Okay. Um, and if it's outside those areas, we use, we have a list we can direct you. Okay. Cause sometimes awesome. that's, I've found myself like trying to find places that could rehab like a skunk or a raccoon. And it's, it's kind of hard, but if there are places that you do find online, call them and they might know the resource yes. if you can't find it online. For the state of Ohio, if you go to our website under, there's a tab called rescue. We actually have posted a, a PDF file that you can download that has all the licensed wildlife rehab rehabbers for the state of Ohio, okay. regardless of species. So Amazing. all the raptor centers are there and all, you know, the, the ones you mentioned, like the skunks and mm -hmm. the raccoons, those are rabies vector species. Mm -hmm. So they have to have a specialized certification. Mm -hmm. It's harder to find right. those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that list is on there. You can actually pull that right off our website. Okay. That's a great resource. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know we've definitely enjoyed having you on listening and learning so much about Raptor Inc. Do you have one more chance to just plug if you guys are on social media, the date for that 5k run one more time? Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, our website is Raptor Inc. Um, R-A-P-T-O-R-I-N-C dot org. Um, we have a free open house event uh, last Sunday of the month, um, March through November from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. It's 
free, no reservations needed. You can drop in anytime. We have plenty of activities. And then our next um, fundraiser that um, we're working on is uh, the Raptor 5K in Milford. It takes place on September 11th. It's a Sunday uh, in the morning. And um, we have some great swag that we're passing out. And we're also going to have um, a little fun uh, party afterwards. We're going to have live birds out oh, there. Cool. We're going to have stations set up and activities. Awesome. Maybe some pellet dissections. It'll be a fun event besides the run. We'll have like a little fair kind of afterwards. Um, yeah. Awesome. And we'll have some great raffle items. I've got uh, um, the opportunity to do a um, to go out with a bunch of falconers oh, with fun. their birds. If you want to go on a hunt. Is Gary Densler involved? Just we know yeah. we have some big Gary Densler <laughs> Actually, fans. Yeah, I just talked, I, just, I had some communication with him. Um, it, this is uh, the president of the Kentucky Falconers wow. Association okay. and his buddies oh, wow. with their birds that you can actually go on a hunt with them. Wow. So that's a, an opportunity we're going to raffle off. That's, Holy an, cow. that's a unique experience. Right. Amazing. That's once in a lifetime. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And then are you guys on Facebook or Instagram? We sure are. Okay. Um, we actually have two pages on Facebook. One's the location and one's the actual organization. Okay. Either It doesn't matter which one you sign up for. Uh, one is Raptor Inc. Um, the other one is Raptor Inc. Milford, Ohio. Okay. okay. So, yeah, follow Great. us on Facebook. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, go to their website. They've got tons of resources on there to check out and support. But... Thank you so much again for taking the time to join us and coming on out here. We really appreciate it. It was yeah. awesome. For I think me it's to some new knowledge, knowledge, yeah, that yeah. we hopefully got out there so that will help animals. So you know, it's not just interesting stories. I think it's it'll be helpful. So, yes, thank you for all you do. It's great to see you, and maybe we'll have you back for a, a creepy truke. No, we won't. <laughs> I would love to. Maybe <laughs> you and I will put that together. That doesn't really fit. It's, it's, just, <laughs> it's just an episode of Jackie telling Jenna all the stories from the nine one one days. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we can just go out and have some beer. There we go. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Yeah, thank you all so much for your support. Thanks for supporting Raptor Inc. as well. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.